I am so excited about today's message because today we are talking about one of the core pillars of our life in Christ. And it's elemental in its very nature, but it's revolutionary in its practice. And today we are talking about this important subject called faith. And we have been talking about connecting our innermost being to God. And then we're talking about stepping out in faith. And today we're going to go deep into this idea of faith. And at its core, today we're talking about how faith is an obedient response to a covenantal relationship that leads us to trusting in God. And so today we're going to talk about this trust. And in the Ron family, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Trust is not something that comes very easy for us. You know, I was talking to, to somebody the other day. I was sharing this story about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was like six at the time. And Jeremiah, uh, he's one of those kids that he has a hard time trusting mom and dad, particularly dad. And I can't blame him in some areas. But my friend from England was here and she was staying with Meg and I. And, uh, and we were going out to Seattle and we were just finishing up dinner. We're heading back to our car and I may or may not have kind of forgotten where our car was. I knew the general area, but I, I couldn't find it. And, and I said, I think it's just there to the left. And I remember Jeremiah saying, dad, it's to the right. I remember that crane. We parked right by that crane. And so we went the way Jeremiah went. And as we found our car, I said to my friend from England, I said, I'm pretty sure that my, my son thinks I'm a moron. And she answered, Oh yeah, for sure he does. And for me, like Jeremiah has a hard time trusting. I have a hard time trusting. You know, we're actually, we're going through Proverbs uh, as a family around the dinner table. And we're just going over a little bit of uh, Proverbs each day, just a little paragraph each day. And we just started it and we went through Proverbs 1.8 and it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. For Jeremiah... This is a hard thing to trust my teachings, to trust my instructions, because trust is not something that comes very easy for the Ron family. You know, Meg loves to jump out of planes. Like it's something she would do every year if she could. She's done it multiple times. There's no way I am ever jumping out of a plane. Matter of fact, my buddy Kevin, you know, the guy who plays the bass at our church, Kevin asked me, hey, I'm jumping out of a plane for my birthday. You're happy to join along. And I thought, there is no way that I will ever be doing that. I will never jump out of a plane. I will never bungee jump. I don't want to jump out of a plane tied just to a couple strings and a thin blanket as I fall down or a, a piece of like a rubber band into a canyon. I'm not bungee jumping. Matter of fact, I will never even do a trust fall. That is not something that I really want to do. And so for many of us, trust is something that we may struggle with. And, and you know, there's, I oftentimes talked about this. There's like the hardware and the software of us. The hardware is our personality, our way of processing things, our wiring on how God made us. And sometimes some people can just be, it's just natural that it's harder for us to trust. And then there's the software of things, the things that have happened to us in the past, things that we need healing from and brokenness. And maybe it's a husband or a wife that's left, or maybe it's a boyfriend or girlfriend who's left, or maybe it was a parent who abandoned you, or maybe it's just a, a, a worldview, a family worldview where instead of looking at the world as a place of opportunity, you were taught 
to look at the world as a place of fear. But there's these things that, we ha that have happened to us or these wirings that we may have that make it hard for us to trust. You know, there's actually this theory in, in psychology and development. It's trust versus mistrust. In the first stage, it's the first stage that humans go through. So from like born to 18 months, we are, de we are kind of developing on an emotional level what we are, look as we look at the world, what we are to trust and what we can put our trust in. And we can't go back and we can't rewire the experiences that happened to us when we were young. But as we're born again and anew in God's family, we walk through this stage again. Learning to trust God instead of everything else in this world is something that each one of us has to go through. And as we, we look at this question, as we think about on, in our innermost being, with everything we are, do we really trust God? And the answer to that question will shape everything about our Christian living. And so we're going to look at how our whole hearts, everything about us, must be going into faith and trust in God our Father and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is the foundation of how we live in this life in Jesus. And when faith, evidenced by action, is placed on this covenantal relationship with God, it changes everything. We find ourselves on this great adventure. And this adventure is being part of God's wild and beautiful story. And I think that's the journey that God has had us on as individuals and as a church. And I'm excited to keep on this adventure together. And so today we're going to jump into Romans 4 and then jump into the Old Testament and then we'll jump back into the New Testament. But remember, that Paul has been laying out this courtroom setting in Romans 1, 2, and 3. And Romans 4 ties into Romans 3. And so remember last week we talked about blinders that we might have that give us a religious heart rather than one of faith. And today we are going to talk about the importance of understanding what it means to live this life of faith. And so Paul's been telling us, the importance of us remembering and understanding that we all sin, that we all fall short, that no one can become righteous through works and simply obeying the law, and that righteousness is all about faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is going to do something big here, especially for Jewish Christians in Rome. He's going to pull out two big guns. He's going to talk about Abraham and he's going to talk about David. And so Abraham is the father of our faith. And the nation of Israel begins when God promises Abraham that he would make the descendants of this great nation living in a God-given land and be blessed by God. And of course, David is the greatest king of Israel. But today we're going to focus on Abraham. And we're going to start in Romans 4 and we're going to re read verses 1 through 3. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Again, we talked about this last week. Paul made the argument that no one should boast about their works in making us right with God. If you remember, he said, he, he said in the, his book to the Philippians, or to his letter in the Philippians, he said this about himself, If anyone can boast, it's me. 
but he counted it all as rubbish. And he's going to pull out Abraham and he's going to say the same thing, that he cannot boast before God. None of us can. And then he says this important thing, verse 3. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now this line is quoting back to Genesis 15. So we're going to jump into Genesis. Now, as we look back in Genesis 12, God is, comes to Abram and he calls him at, at, at this time and he says he's going to make him this promise. And it's a big promise. Genesis 12, 1 through 2 and then verse 4, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. God makes this promise to Abram. He's 75 years old at the time and he's going to leave this secure land of Haran. But he hears from the Lord this incredible promise that probably doesn't seem possible to him. But then he does it. And yet, at 75 years old, he's willing to leave everything to follow God. And then what happens? He leaves, he leaves a secure place and there's a famine that happens in Egypt, right? You know what happens next. And then he gets out of Egypt and him and Lot are together and they have to split up. And then he has to send men to go save Lot and all of this stuff is happening. And, and many of us might have this. We might have this promise from God or we might want our lives to be free of challenges. We think that we're stepping out in faith. We're doing the right stuff. We're living the good life. But we see this, that doing the right stuff doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be challenge free. And we see this, that, that the further we go in our faith, we realize that we have to lean on God's promises because sometimes we're just faced with challenges. Even when things are tough, though, we must take the example of Abram, who later becomes Abraham, and lean into faith when things are challenging. Because following in obedience, even when the world seems to be against us, we have to be faithful. And we know that God is a God who builds up our faith and pulls us through at the same time and it takes us to Genesis 15 when God makes this covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now the word that Paul uses here in Romans 4 that he's quoting back in Genesis 15 is this Greek word that is, it can be translated as credited or count. They say it, but basically it means 
as to count as. And so what we see is it's this credit status. And so it's it's a credit status that's given to someone that wasn't there before. So it's saying that his faith counted him as righteous. God treated Abraham as though he was living a righteous life. His faith wasn't righteousness, but God counted it as if it were. His life didn't put him in right standing. His faith changed his credit status, and we see it. Through his faith, through his belief, through his trust, it changes everything. Even though he wasn't perfect, and none of us are. Matter of fact, uh, Martin Luther, the father of of the Reformation, he used this Latin phrase that I won't try. But in short, he would say, we are at the same time both righteous and sinful. And that explains our entire Christian life. Now, the amazing thing about it is that this word faith or the concept of belief in the Old Testament is most often used uh, when talking about this a response to a covenantal relationship. The biblical language of faith is all about a a response to the faithfulness and cooperation of God. We cooperate because we trust God. It's all about the covenantal relationship. To have faith in God and Jesus is to be faithful to a covenantal bond. That's why we respond. This is a bond that it was initiated by God. It was initiated by God uh, with Abraham and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the covenantal bond that we have in the new covenant was all initiated by God. Faith isn't thinking of what we want God to do and believing that he will do it. It's this. It's trusting in his character and what he said he will do. Abraham didn't just believe God would give him a son because he desired a son. He believed God when God said that he would give him a son. Do you see the difference here? Faith isn't a mental exercise or simply kind of an eager wish, but it's an appropriate response to a God who is this, faithful and wants to be in a covenantal relationship with us. And what we generally believe is how we will act. And that's what's happening with Abraham. It's God who makes the promise and invites us into this covenantal relationship. And God is doing the work. And God is inviting us into his family through Jesus Christ. And God expresses his love through Jesus Christ for you and for me. And we simply do this. We respond in faith like Abraham. As Abraham trusted that God would give him a son, we trust that God gave us his son. And now it's our new covenant that we walk alongside Jesus who saves us from our sins. And this is revolutionary. And we'll see how God works, how God's work moves us to faith and obedience. And so we're going to jump in Romans 4, uh, 16 through 22, and we're going to see this. We see how big his, this trust must be for Abraham, and we're going to jump into Romans. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have faith of Abraham, have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. 
As is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So in reading this, what do we see about what it means to believe God? When we look at the Abraham story, what does it, what does it look like for us to believe God? Well, point number one, we have to believe that our current reality is greater than how things appear. Verse 19, he was faced with the reality that his body was as good as dead. He was 100 years old at this point. And not only that, but Sarah was unable to have children. And so we see this, that not only that, but there's like this whole other thing where we're going to have this promised land, and, but there's a bunch of Canaanites there. And it's incredible. And God says, go outside. And this is pre-city stars. This isn't like what we have where we can see a few stars out here in Lakewood, Tacoma, when there's not clouds in the sky. But he's saying, look up. And you will see these stars and you're going to have as many stars as you can see. That's your descendants. And, and you're going to see this. You know, I, was, uh, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro a few years back. And everyone asked me, what's my favorite part about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? And I always say the stars. Because you're in Africa and so there's not very many lights in general. And then you're at like 15,000 feet. And the amount of stars where you can see is like it's mind-blowing. You can't even explain it to somebody. And so you have to picture Abraham looking up to that level of sky. And it's just impossible to even think that that would be true. But he believed. And, and the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not says, this is my promise to you. And we see that although faith is not opposed to reason, often it needs to see things differently than our feelings or how we think things appear because we serve a mighty God. And it's not about being optimistic, but it moves us from self-trust into complete trust and dependence on what God can do. And that changes everything in our faith. It's not about looking at our weaknesses or looking at our feelings or how we perceive the world. It's, but it's setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Point number two, it's all about God and not about us. Verse 20, it says this, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It's powerful. Actually, in the ESV, I, I, I like it better. It says that he did not weaken. Rather, he got stronger as he gave glory to God. Think about that. I love the, these powerful words because God wants our faith to grow. And it's evident that here that Abraham and Sarah were up against some real possibilities, but it's all about God. It's not about 
us. There's this time where there's this time that we see, and we see it in Abraham, between God's promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And this gap is where we struggle so much as Christians. But during this time, Abraham's faith was actually growing as he was waiting and wrestling in how God was going to fulfill the promise. And we have that too. We have to understand, because there's a powerful thing to understand about God, that he puts time in between these things often for our benefit, for our trust to grow in him and making it all about him and no longer about us. And what we see is to be faithful. We don't have to stop thinking. We don't have to get rid of all reasoning, but rather we turn our minds and renew our minds on what who God is and what he is going to do and what he has promised. And we understand that he has the power and we simply do this. We simply glorify his name and we're strengthened in our faith when we do that because everything we do should be for the glory of God because it's all about him and not about us. And point number three, we have to believe the promises and the word of God. Faith is not about just thinking about God. It's not just even believing in God. It's about trusting who he is, trusting what he has promised, and trusting his word. It's all about acting on God's promises and his word, even when it is hard. Faith is all about living as if God's promises were completely true because they are true, but trusting that that's going to happen. And we, we get this, we live under the new covenant and we were supposed to respond to that with faith and obedience in Jesus Christ. And this is, leads us to our last section in Romans. It puts us in the courtroom. This is the final thing in the courtroom, but we are all, and remember, and in the, in the whole thing with the courtroom is we are all sinners because of this covenant, we are now covered by grace and we're going to move from the courtroom to the family room. And we all have these citizen papers. We talked about it last week. And some of the citizenship papers are going to say under sin and some are going to say under grace. And when we believe in what God promised and we believe God, we have the under grace papers and we get to move into the family room and away from the courtroom and it changes everything. Because Paul has been reminding us again that we're all sinful, that we all fall short, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we now find salvation, justification, and righteousness, and it changes everything. And how are we supposed to respond to that? Like Abraham, we're supposed to trust and obey. And he uses, and he uses this term faith. Paul uses this term faith in a lot of different ways in his letters. And I want to point out a couple of these because I want it's going to affirm the, the, the language that's used in Romans that is important for us as believers to respond in faith. And it's this relationship and this faithfulness and this loyalty of God is why we trust and obey. And often he uses this faith around this idea that it's something that we hold in our hearts and our minds but it also leads us to action. And that's where he's going in Romans 4 to remind us that Abraham believed and then there was action tied to it. So for example, 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says this, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same, that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. 
So he's saying, look, faith is both believing with our hearts and our minds, but also it leads us to speaking up and it leads us to action. We, we see this pattern in faith, both with Paul and Abraham, that there's this relationship between belief and action through thought and deed and through faith and obedience. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 1 through 3. Paul writes to them, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. He's writing and he's saying, look, your faith led to works. You, you trusted and you obeyed. This is how it's always meant to be. And he says it in Romans 1 and verse 5. And remember, Paul says that through Jesus we receive grace, which leads us to obedience that comes from faith. Verse 5, through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Paul is saying Faith is our response to this covenant that God has made, and we believe it with our hearts, we believe it with our minds, and then it helps us do this. It helps us to be obedient in our actions because our belief and our minds and our hearts will always guide our will and our body. And so we, 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 we just believe with our hearts and our minds, and it leads us to the will of God and what God wants to do through us in faith and we're to respond to God through faith through this new covenant that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for you and for me and we believe it with our minds and with our hearts and it leads us to trust and obedience because God is faithful and we are so blessed because of that and and in the next section we're going to jump back to Romans 4 because Paul is going to start going is going to say King David understood this Romans 4, 7 through 8, he's going to tie it back to Psalm 32. It says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Notice that David is not saying, Blessed are those who never sin. He's not saying, Blessed are those who never transgress. He's not saying, Blessed are those who are so obedient that they never sin that they avoid all sin. He's saying, look at me, King David. I'm a sinner, and yet we are so blessed because the Lord doesn't count our sin against us. Those who believe, those that trust, those that repent, those that turn their hearts towards God, the Lord won't count our sins against us, and it changes everything. And we respond now and freedom, and fidelity, that love, that's covenant, that's with us, and we trust and obey, and we believe God in His promises, and we believe Him in His Word, and we believe that our current reality is greater than how things appear, and we remember that it's all about God, and it's not about us, and we believe this. We're, as we leave the courtroom and we're entering into the family room, as we begin th- going through Romans 1 through 4, we believe this that we have all sinned, that we have all fallen short. But through this new covenant, through the work that God has done, through faith and repentance, we now get to enter into the family room with God. And it changes everything. And there's a freedom to it. And all we are called to do is to respond in faith. And faith is believing God, believing His promises, believing His Word, and simply acting on that belief. And that's the simplest 
thing that we are supposed to do as a church. That is how it all works together. It's to believe God, believe who God is, believe that He is good and that He has a plan and that He is working all things. And He, because of His character, because of what He wants to do, we simply obey and trust. And that is my heart for this church, that everything will begin to change when we step out in faith, not because of we want this grand adventure or, or, or this wild ride, but rather because God is so good because his character is so good that we know that his adventure and his wild ride is better than anything we could ever imagine because God desires a church that steps out in faith, one that believes God in their innermost being and it changes everything through trust and obedience. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I, we love you so much. We're so thankful for who you are, for what you've promised us, Lord, for your word, Lord, will you help us to grow in our faith? Will you help us to trust and obey you, Lord Jesus? Will you help us to believe in you, uh, in what you are trying to do? Will you help us to believe uh, with our whole hearts, with our innermost being, all that you have for us, Lord, for those that have uh, promises that are yet to be fulfilled, for those of us that need uh, help uh, with building up our trust, Lord, will you come in with your Holy Spirit and will you help us just bridge that gap? Lord, will you help us believe with our mind and with our hearts that leads us to action, leads us to what you desire for each one of us. And Lord, like we talk about all the time, then we will be knit together in love. And Lord, you are moving all of us in the areas that you want us to, to step out in faith, to fulfill your mission here on earth. And Lord, we desire this to look for earth to look more like heaven and we we are so thankful that you do that through us and we're so thankful that you did all the work and we're so thankful that you died on the cross lord let us respond through obedience and trust in you through faith and lord just help us to to uh, believe that you are the god who changes everything and lord help us to uh, express that to our friends and our family and our coworkers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we love you, and uh, check out the events section on our website. We have a bunch of new things coming down, including what we'll be doing for Holy Week, so make sure you check that out. We love you, and we'll see you next week.